All right, team, thank you. Thank you for reminding us how good God is and uh, how God calls us to live like him and to be like him. Great hearing your uh, baptism story, Pastor Steve. I don't think I'd ever heard that before. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 14 through 16 in just a minute. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we do welcome you. So glad that you are here and that you are online to join us today. I'm going to talk today about the holiness of God. What does it mean for God to be holy. Let's pray and we'll look into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we are coming to you in the name of your Son because that's the only way we can come. We can come boldly through the death, burial, and resurrection, through the blood of Jesus Christ, but outside of that, we could never enter your throne. So today we come acknowledging that you are holy. We confess our sins and we pray that you, the just God, would forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us to better understand you in this series and today as we talk about how you are set apart from all others. I pray that you'd comfort people. I pray that you would challenge us to live a holy life before you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll, we'll look at 1 Peter in just a second, but as I was thinking about this passage, I was reminded of my family growing up. My parents are from North Carolina, and in 1962, my dad moved uh, the family from North Carolina to Virginia. Years later, I asked him, why did you move? And he said, I was tired of starving to death down in North Carolina. I wanted to get a decent job, and he got a job working for uh, a company called Washington and Chamberlain, and uh, his boss was Mr. Gardner. Mr. Gardner uh, was uh, just a great boss to him as he was a young man, uh, getting started and helping him out in a lot of uh, uh, particular areas, and just keeping him uh, working so he could provide for his family. Well, several years into that, uh, my uncle started a business, so my dad helped him uh, to get started as well. And my dad uh, worked hard, and family always worked really hard as well. And I remember as a, a young boy being able to go to work with my dad. And uh, we'd get up early in the morning and often go to the shop and Drop by 7-Eleven for something. I'd get a hostess fruit pie and uh, some kind of drink uh, to be able to uh, sustain me for a little while. And then at lunchtime, my dad would say, hey, why don't we just grab a pack of nabs and uh, skip lunch? And I, now, if you don't know what a pack of nabs are, it's, a, you know, uh, Nabisco crackers. And I was thinking, you know, to me, lunch is a hamburger, french fries, and a milkshake, not a pack of crackers, you know. That just didn't uh, sustain me uh, very well. But uh, I think I won out in, in those kind of things. But I, I remember working eight manly hours, you know, as a little boy. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, my dad would give me a $20 bill and thank me for working. And if my uncle is watching, I, I really think there's some back pay kind of uh, do me uh, as I, I kind of look back on that. But anyway, uh, I remember uh, as I got a little bit older, my... Uh, uncle's business had 
uh, construction job down in Virginia Beach. And so my dad was spending the summer down there, and our family would be able to go to the beach quite often and visit him and stuff. And as, I don't know if I was 10 or 12, how old I was, but he was working on these high-rise buildings and scaffolding on the outside of the building. And I looked at that, and I said, that's what I want to do one day. I want to be like my dad. I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to get into. When I was 14, my brother was working for the business as well, and so all summer long, we would get up and we'd go to the job sites, and when August came around, when JV football started, and I could go out running in the heat, uh, you know, in a morning and an afternoon session and make absolutely no money, and I decided, you know, making $7 an hour working made more sense to me. Money really meant a lot to me as I was growing up and trying to be good with finances and stuff, and so I was working, and, and uh, there was a local paper that took the picture of me and my brother, and my dad took that uh, newspaper article and framed it, and uh, as far as I know, it's still in the, the office today, and as, as I look back, I thought, you know, my dad was just proud of his boys, and I just wanted to be like my dad. When I uh, went to high school, I signed up for data processing, and uh, the guidance counselor called me and said, this class got filled up, but there's a class very similar to data processing, and they lied to me, but they, they said it's called word processing. They didn't tell me it was typing class, you know, uh, but uh, they said it's very similar, so I went into this class. I was the only guy in the midst of, of uh, all these girls taking the typing class, which wasn't such a bad idea, you know, for a, a ninth grader and stuff, and sat across from a good friend of mine, grew up with a Ruthie Rogers, and we learned to type together and everything, but... Uh, at the beginning of that class, the teacher went around and said, why are you taking this class? What kind of field do you want to enter into? And when it came to me, I said, I want to be a construction worker. And she said, well, what are you doing in this class? And I explained to her that data processing got filled up uh, and whatever. But that was my goal. And then I graduated high school. And my friend Kevin said, when your dad... Uh, said that you were going to work, he took it seriously. When I graduated high school, I began working six days a week, and uh, that kind of become uh, a lifestyle. Today they call it adulting, and I didn't realize you had a choice to whether to become an adult or not. You know, I got out of school and just started working. That's what I did and went to work. At that point, my dad had uh, started his own business, and my uncle had his business, and uh, my dad had his business, and I was working uh, with my dad and just uh, enjoying that feel. But I wanted to be like my dad. That was my nature. When you're born, you're going to be like your family, right? You have certain characteristics. That becomes your identity. And today, as we look at this aspect of the holiness of God, God wants us, after we've been born again, to live out his nature to become holy like our Heavenly Father. We're in a series called The Real God by Chip Ingram. Chip Ingram is uh, using a book by Tozer, and Tozer said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The real God seeing God as he longs for us to see him. Our view of God, seeing God as a holy God. In the book of Isaiah and in the book of Revelation, 
when the heavenly hosts are worshiping God, they cry out, holy, holy, holy. It's interesting, they don't say, mighty, 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 or all-knowing, 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 or not even love, love, love. But they deal with this characteristic, saying it over and again for emphasis, that God is holy. Now, what does it really mean? Seems kind of mystical and unknowable, but when the Bible says God is holy, it just simply means that God is different from anyone or anything that we know. His ways are not our ways. Someone said that God is otherly. We make idols and we put God into our image. The mythological gods were greedy and lustful and selfish and out of control and moody. But our God is unlike all other gods. To be holy means to be divided, to set apart, to mark off, to make sacred or righteous. It's something that is not common or profane. It's not ordinary. It is different, distinct, and unique. Today, we relate to it as pure, sinless, absolutely absent from sin. You see, morality is not based on what God decides. It is based on who he is. He doesn't look at something and say, well, this is good or this is bad just on a whim. But morality and righteousness and holiness is based on who he is. We could go back to the Old Testament temple and in the temple, the priests were to sanctify themselves or to make themselves holy. They were to take specific instruments that God had called them to use, not to use the forks and knives or whatever utensils that they use on an average day, but when they offered a sacrifice, they were to set it apart. They were to make it holy. It was not normal. It was not common. It was only used at a special time. Let me illustrate. You know, sometimes you don't feel like doing the dishes uh, or you're in a hurry or you go out to a park or something and you just get a paper plate, right? And you eat off of that paper plate and then what do you do with it? You throw it away. Why? Because it's common. It's not important at all. It's just a paper plate. Now, in my home, on the average meal, we just have these, I don't know, let's see, I don't know what it says here. Um, made in China, so the, you know, so this is China. So, but uh, anyway, so a one dollar Walmart dish. This is what we use normally when we're done eating. Just simply throw it in the sink. Now Paula says wash it, but most of us just throw it in the sink over the years. I told the kids to wash the dishes; they should do that, but they followed my example instead. And so often they just kind of throw that in the sink. But when when I eat steak, when I want to cut it, I don't want. Uh, the cheap $1 plate, we use our false graph T-Rose design that we got when we got married. This We still have them in the, a lot of the, the dishes, so we use our T-Rose, and so this is for a nicer meal. Not something super fancy, but this is the nicer meal. But occasionally, Paula got from her grandma some really nice china, before she passed away, 
my father-in-law asked me to talk to her, and I shared the gospel with her, and she asked Jesus to come into her life right at the end of her life. And she gave some fine china to Paula and me. Now, we have this in a cabinet. I don't know how many times in our 29 years of marriage that we have gotten the fine china out. Now, we don't put this in the dishwasher. We don't throw it in the sink. Why? Because this is otherly. This is set apart. This is not common. This is not something that we use on a regular basis. This is special. I think the illustration falls apart at a certain uh, level, but it's not the paper plate. It's not the plastic where it's not even the uh, things that you get when you get married, but there's some fine china in life. And God says, I want you to understand that I am holy. I am set apart. I am different than the rest of the world. I am not like the world. When the children of Israel were able to leave Egypt, this was a song that they sang. It's in Exodus 15, verse 11. It says, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? Glorious in holiness. It's talking about his holiness is majestic. It is so vast and great. When we can comprehend in just a small way of how awesome our God truly is. It is the beauty of holiness that we can see. When we really grasp that God is holy, we see him as he longs for us to see him. Now, I have some passages in the Old Testament. I just want to read through these, and I want you to listen. What is that phrase that's used over and over again? Then we're going to look at 1 Peter. Leviticus eleven forty four says this, for I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourself, the same idea, make yourself holy. And you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourself with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I want you to consecrate yourself. I don't want you to be like the world. Don't defile yourself with the world because be holy because I am holy. Verse 45, for I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy for I am holy. And then in Leviticus 19 too. Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. Leviticus 20, verse 7, consecrate, there we see it again, consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And then in Leviticus 20, verse 26, and you shall be holy to me, <clears throat> for I, the Lord, am holy. And have separated you from the people. And then in chapter 21, verse 8, you picking up on these phrases? Therefore you shall consecrate him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, we see that again, make you holy, am holy. What was that phrase? Be holy? Why? Because I'm holy. I want you to be like me. I want you to have that nature that I have. I am holy, and therefore, I want you to reflect that nature. Tozer, who we quoted earlier, wrote this book called The Knowledge of the Holy. He's a holy God. But what do we do with it? How do we respond to his holiness? Moses said, God, show me your glory. 
Isaiah saw the glory of God and said, I am undone, I am unclean, woe is me, I don't deserve you, God. Peter, James, and John were called up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and Jesus demonstrated his glory and his holiness, and they fell down at his feet and worshiped him. You see, when we walk with God, it's not intended to make us feel better, but to make us better. A sermon is not just a simple motivational speech, but it is to help us to become like our Heavenly Father. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. You see, it's not just the Old Testament. It's not, okay, that was under the law, now we're under grace and we can live differently. No, don't allow grace to cause you to live ungodly. That's not what grace is about. So he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Don't conform yourself. It means don't be like the world. Don't fashion yourself in this manner. Don't allow your outward characteristics be like the world. Don't conform, like he says in Romans 12 too, be not conformed to this world. Don't be like this world. Don't have the same form of this world. He goes on in verse 15, but, so don't be like the world, but as he, God, who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct and all your lifestyle. The way that you're to behave. Now, I don't know about you, when you hear the word holy or holiness, don't want you to answer, but just think in your mind, if you're uh, at home or the office or uh, watching this uh, uh, out, just, just stop for a minute and think, when you hear the word holy, what comes to your mind? Purity, great. Well, that's a little better than me. When I think of a holy person, I tend to think of a holier-than-thou person to me. And that's probably my personality, but anyway, I think of someone going into a monastery and isolating themselves, or weird people. You know, growing up in, in church, a lot of Christians, I looked at them like, they're just kind of weird, you know? The Bible says we're peculiar, and sometimes we live that out, but sometimes when I think of holy people, I think of just kind of being weird, or even being a pious hypocrite. And as verse 16 goes on to say, because it is written, he's, he's quoting the Old Testament, what he just said in Leviticus, be holy for I am holy. God is holy. God is different. He is different and otherly. And I want you to become more like God. Be holy because I'm holy. You see, God created us for a special purpose. The world wants to defile us. They want us to get dirty. They want us to be like them. They don't want us to live in a godly standard. So how do we relate? How do we respond? What difference does being holy really make? I just have a couple verses I wanna read you. Hebrews 12, verse 14 says this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. What is he talking about? Our relationship with God. If you are not holy, you will not see the Lord. <clears throat> you can't have a relationship with God if you are not living a holy life. You can't live in the world and have a, <clears throat> excuse me, a close working relationship with our Savior. 
And it, <clears throat> he says here, be careful, because while you're being holy, I also want you to live at peace with people. When you're holy doesn't mean you don't get along with people. It doesn't mean you become superior. It doesn't mean you look down upon others. Certainly we don't condone sin, but we love everybody, right? Live at peace with people. No matter what their political persuasion, no matter what their, <clears throat> their affiliation, no matter what their morality, try to live peacefully with people. But sometimes we can be so kind and gracious that we get sucked into the wrong lifestyle. So he says, I want you to be holy. If you want a relationship with God, if you want to see the Lord, we must be holy. In this series, we're encouraging you to have family devotions, and Chip Ingram has a, a, a download that you can look at, and then there's a set of videos as well. And the video for this week is The Arrow. It's called The Arrow. And the reason he chose that, the word sin just simply means missing the mark. You try to shoot an arrow or shoot a gun, and if you don't hit the bullseye perfectly, you've missed the mark, you've sinned. God is holy. He always hits the mark, but we don't. We fall short. We trespass. When you think of sin, I think there's a sign that goes up and says, wet paint, do not touch. If that sign wasn't there, I would have no desire to touch it, would you? But I began, why can't I touch it? Is it really wet? How long has that sign been there, right? I'm walking down the sidewalk and I see a sign that says, do not walk on the grass. I didn't want to walk on the grass till I see that sign, right? And I said, why can't I walk on the grass? Why do I got to walk on the sidewalk? There's something within me that's just kind of independent and just says, well, if I can't do it, there must be something really good about it. That's the idea. Don't trespass. God says, this is sin. And it kind of moves us to that because we have this sin nature and we miss the mark. We're born with that sin nature, but we are born again with God's nature to be holy. And he says, without holiness, you cannot see the Lord. We are to reflect his holiness. We are to be a copy, a mirror. We are to follow this example. God now calls us saints we are the temple of God. We are the sanctified ones. We are the holy ones, so live that out in our daily life. Paul is talking about a list of, of uh, sinful conducts that Christians were caught up in in the, the church at Corinth. And he goes through this list of sins, and then at the end he says this, 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Therefore, Come out from among them. So God says, as Christians, we're to be different. We're to be holy. Come out. That's what holy means, to be set apart. And be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I don't know about you, but as, as I look at Christianity as a whole, and whether it's a woke Christian church or, or a contemporary Christian music. And I, I really love it, but sometimes I get bothered. Why does everybody have to look like the rest of the world? Why do we have to look so cool? Why do we have to look just like everybody else? God says, I want you to be different. I want you to be holy. And I'm not saying holiness is just simply in the clothes we wear, the uh, way we look. Certainly there's the aspects of the heart and character, integrity, and, and godliness, and all these different aspects. But I, I kind of ask myself, why do we try to look just like the world? Why do we try to act just like the world? Why do we try to fit in? God wants us to be holy. He goes on. 
in verse 18. And I will be a father to you. Again, he says, when you are living a holy life, our relationship can grow. If you don't have a close relationship with God, it's not his fault, is it? It's us that move away from him. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And then in the next chapter, the first verse, he says, therefore, having these promises, everything he just said, living a different life, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He's saying, I want us to live different. We don't have to tell the same jokes as everybody else. We don't have to do everything that everybody else does. I know it's, it's easy. When I was a teen, like, well, what's really wrong with this? Why can't we do this? Sometimes I was just simply asking, why can't I? Okay, can I just get a little bit closer to sin? I'm not planning on sinning. I just want to get a little bit closer to it. And then occasionally you fall, oh, man, I, I didn't mean to slip over there. Why? Because God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be different. Why? Because he is holy. Let me give you one illustration that I think is huge within Christianity and in our current world when it comes to this idea of holiness. Hebrews 13 verse 4. It says this, marriage is honorable in all. God is saying that marriage is beautiful, marriage is holy, marriage is righteous. God has designed this beautiful thing called marriage, one man and one woman for life coming together in this beautiful relationship. Marriage is honorable among all. God designed us to come together in physical union, in spiritual union, in emotional, relational togetherness. This is God's beautiful design. There's nothing dirty at all about it. This is God's beautiful design. Man has messed it up, but God designed it. Marriage is honorable among all, and he says, and the bed undefiled. The word undefiled just simply means unholy. Don't allow the marriage bed to become unholy. God has this beautiful boundary called marriage. Don't allow the marriage bed to become undefiled. Notice the but here. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. God has this precious gift that he wants to offer married couples, right? But if we're not careful, this gift gets muddied and murky. And it doesn't become very pretty. Sexual purity. Whether it be homosexuality or you can't watch a commercial today that doesn't deal with the transgender movement. The whole LGBTQ aspect is, is nothing to do with Christianity. Someone living with a partner that they're not married to. Adultery, divorce, lust, porn. In the Old Testament, God says idolatry was spiritual adultery. Adultery, having a union with someone that God has not designed for you to be with. And we as Christians, maybe we could stand here and say, yeah, preach against those gays, preach against the trans. Yeah, man, that's terrible, all that out there. But let's, let's just bring it home. 
something that's really sad in my heart. A Christian apologist that I think has just been awesome. I loved listening to his material and reading his uh, literature over the years. He had the clearest little five-minute section uh, segment on why homosexuality was not right in the eyes of God. I mean, in, in five minutes, he said something like, wow, that is the clearest explanation why homosexuality is a sin. I mean, it was really awesome. Well, recently he died, and it's come out that he was living an immoral lifestyle. Here's a guy preaching against homosexuals while he is involved in other sexual sin. What does that do to Christianity? Doesn't make us look so good, does it? You see, all sin is sin. And we can say, well, I'm a guy, you know, I just lust, that's a, that's a thing I do, but you know, that, that group over there. No, God says marriage is honorable and all. The bed is undefiled. This is beautiful. God designed something beautiful for us, but fornicators and adulterers, God said, because I'm holy, I will judge. See, God is saying here, be holy for I am holy. This aspect of holiness, let's broaden it out for just a second. It means to be whole, healthy, happy, sound, complete, unspoiled, to have awe and reverence, respect. It's the idea of worshiping our God. Be holy. Here's my question for you today. How can we, or more particular, how can you reflect the character of God in your life today? What can you do to live this out? Be holy, for I am holy. That means in the public arena, when we're at church, when we're in the community, when we go to a restaurant, but it also means the way we act before our family. What happens in our private world. The way we act and we think no one else is watching. The life that we have at work, as well as in the areas we consider sacred. Be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. The holiness of God is so powerful and extreme that we cannot fully comprehend it. It is so vast that we could never enter into his presence. But throughout the Old Testament, God allowed a few to go into a holy place and the holy of holies the priest would bring blood of an innocent animal and would offer it year after year. But there came a day that the Lamb of God, he took our sins, all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future, were placed upon Jesus Christ. And he died for you. He died for me. Has there been that time in your life that you accepted God's justice? Through his holiness, he must judge sin, and so he judged it through the death of his son. Have you called upon his name for salvation?
and trusted him. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and right now I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sins so I can go to heaven when I die. It's not in that prayer. It's in your faith in what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. Call upon him and be born into his family today so you can live a holy life. Be holy for I am holy. Friend, I don't know what's going on in your heart and life. I don't know about your private world and the thoughts that you're having and the actions uh, when you're around your friends or peers. Maybe your parents will never find out, but our God knows. So consecrate yourself today. Sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart. Be different. And during this closing song, let God speak to your heart. And just confess those areas. Agree with him. God, I messed up. I claim your blood for forgiveness. Dear Father, help us to be like you, our Heavenly Father. May we live out that new nature that's within us. God, we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to live more like you this week. In Jesus' name.